curriculum ranges from corporate empowerment programs, financial empowerment strategies, self-development programs, relationship solutions, and social transformation programs. Wow, there are so many. His teaching starts at the core of the issue, addressing the human factor, and range out of a multitude of powerful tools that have proven the test of time. He has studied over 30,000 books, which is insane, across all the defined academic disciplines, and has synthesized the wisdom of the ages, which he shares on stage in over 100 countries. His presentations, whether keynotes, seminars, or workshops, leave clients with insights into their behavior and keys to their empowerment. Please, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Dr. John Martini to Infobiz in the UK. So thank you, John. <laughs> thank you. I, uh, pardon me for being a little bit uh, ill-prepared. I didn't know if I was to do a presentation or there was going to be a Q&A or didn't, I was not informed. I just said, you're on now. It's up to you because, you know. You did actually email your PA, Yeah, you? we can do a Q&A or if you want to talk about, uh, you know, what would be the what would be the greatest service? I think if we ask you some questions, because we've got uh, questions prepared, okay, and then if it's okay with you, we can have the last half an hour with Paul and I, and then half an hour with the audience. Is that okay with you? Whatever you would love that would be a best service. I can just do a presentation or I can do Q&A, but probably if we know what people want most and it'll be of service to them most, we'd have the best use of our time. Okay, well, let's go. Are you okay with Q&A, ladies and gents? Thumbs up. Fantastic. Yeah, that's brilliant. Okay, go on, Paul. Hi, hi, Dr. John. Uh, how did you find your passion for human behaviour and development, and why, and why the jump to start your own business? Um. Well, I had, um, I was born with a leg and arm deformity, and a speech deficit and had to wear buttons and strings in my mouth as a child and had to wear arm and leg braces. And so I I had to wear braces till I was four and I couldn't speak properly. When I turned, I got out of the braces at four and all I wanted to do is run. I guess I've been on the run ever since. (laughs) When I was five, I was a misfit in the class. I was, I was so used to being rejected for wearing braces that I just tried to make comedy out of things and it didn't work. First grade, I was told I would never be able to read, never be able to write, never be able to communicate, never amount thing, never go very far in life because I couldn't write or read. I did everything backwards. I had dyslexia and a speech still impediment. I had to wear a dunce cap back in those days, back in 1960. I, uh, only made it through elementary school with the help of the smartest kids by asking the smartest kids what they got out of the class and I'd try to retain what they would say. And I worked until I was 12. At age 12, I moved, my parents moved from Houston, Texas to Richmond, Texas. At 13, when I started school there that year, I didn't have a bunch of smart kids. It was a very low socioeconomic area and I dropped out. So I left school. I was a street kid from age 13 to 18. And, um, but because when I got out of my braces, I wanted to run, I got strong in my legs and I had pretty good balance. And I ended up taking up surfing, but Texas wasn't the surf capital. <laughs> <laughs> no, indeed. 
So at 14, I hitchhiked from Houston, Texas to California. And at 15, I panhandled enough money on the beaches there to fly to Hawaii. And I slipped under the Kamehameha Highway Sunset Bridge there first. Then I lived in the Iakai Beach Park under a park bench, which is still there. And then I um, lived in a ba- the bathroom. And then I lived in a, an abandoned car and finally a tent. I kept social climbing. And I was riding big waves. I got to be in some surf movies and surf magazines and wrote 40 foot waves. And um, I guess I had a death wish because I did a lot of scary stuff. And then I almost died. So at age 17, almost 18, I, um, I ended up with strychnine and cyanide poisoning and almost died on a big wave. In the recovery of that experience, which I was unconscious for three and a half years, I was led to a little health food store to kind of recover. And there on a flyer, on a, on a door, as I was leaving, the flyer said, special guest speaker Paul Bragg at the Sunset Recreation class. Something intuitively said, go there. I never went to classes. That was my thing. I had never read a book from cover to cover about that age. But I went to this class and Paul C. Bragg was lecturing. And that one night, in one hour, one man with one message changed the course of my life. Up until that night, I never thought I would ever be intelligent. I never thought I'd be able to read. And that night, I thought, with what he just said, maybe I could. He said that we have a body, we have a mind, and we have a soul. The body must be directed by the mind, the mind must be guided by the soul in order to maximize human awareness and potential. And then we need to set goals for ourselves, our family, our community, our city, our state, our nation, our world, and beyond for 100 to 120 years. And then what we think about, what we visualize, what we affirm, what we feel about, and how we act will determine our, our outcome. And nobody ever talked to me like that. Nobody said that, that there was a genius inside us. And that night, he took us to a guided imagery meditation, and I saw a vision in that meditation that was completely outside what I ever imagined of me speaking in front of a million people which is painted and sits in my office in Houston, my famous painter. And that night, I, uh, I had a dream to be able to overcome my learning problems, to learn how to read, to learn how to speak. And I want to travel the world and I want to share whatever I learned with as many people as I can to do what this man did for me. Well. So my mission started that night. And that mission uh, was lucid. Epiphany, I guess you could call it. I studied with this man for three weeks. I learned everything I could from him. And then uh, he was going back to California and he would disappear. He says, I'm going, I'm gone. And I went up to him. I never had the courage to walk up to the man. I was overwhelmed by it because he seemed so alive. And I walked up to him and I said, sir, you said three weeks ago, at that sunset recreation hall where you spoke that whatever you said in your mind that night would become your destiny. He said, that's right. I said, I saw that I would become a teacher and I would travel the world and I would become intelligent. He said, that's right.
sound like I'm in here. Oh. A genius, I apply my wisdom. And you say it every single day, you never miss a day for the rest of your life. And sooner or later, the cells of your body will tingle it, and so will the world. So I have never missed a day of saying that affirmation every single day for 47, almost 48 years. Yeah. I didn't know what a genius was, but I later when I came to eventually fly back to California, hitchhike back to Texas, go back and see my parents. And my mom said a genius is like someone like Albert Einstein and Da Vinci. And I later learned that a genius is one who listens to their inner voice and follows the inner vision of their soul and obeys. And they don't let the, the opportunities or anything on the outside interfere with the vision on the inside. And so I, I came back, I took a GED, I somehow guessed and passed miraculously. I took a college entrance exam, I guessed and I passed miraculously. Then I failed my first test in, in college. Very first, I, I've got a 27, I need a 72, I failed it. I was devastated. I curled up in a fetal position under a Bible stand in my mom's living room. My mom came home from shopping. She said, son, what happened? What's wrong? I said, mom, I guess I don't have what it takes. I guess this fantasy is unreal. I guess I'll never read, write, or communicate. I'm not thing to go very far. And then something my mom said to change my life. My mom said, son, whether you become a great teacher here in philosopher and travel the world like you dream, whether you go back and ride giant waves like you've done, and return to the streets, and panhandles a buck. I want to let you know that your father and I are going to love you no matter what you do, boy. When she said that, my hand went into a fist. I looked up. I saw the vision of me standing in front of a million people. And I said to myself, I'm going to master this thing called reading and studying and learning. I'm going to master this thing called teaching and philosophy. And I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to travel whatever distance. I'm going to pay whatever price to give my service of love across this planet. I'm not going to any human being. The face of this earth stopped me from my mission. So, my mission is being fulfilled right now. John, you're making me cry. <laughs> I'm sending you a great big hug. You got all the tears, John. <laughs> I'm in tears. Yeah, I don't care about the tears. The mission is clear. That's where it started 47 and a half years later. It's still here. I know. And, uh, well, it's just, do you know what? It was really funny you said about genius. Paul, that's actually what Paul described you as. He's actually been saying all week, this man is a living genius. Honestly, you wouldn't believe it. So we've never heard you say that story. You didn't say that last year. Those were the words that Paul said, because when we heard you speak last year, everyone was literally blown away, and everyone was gutted that you couldn't stay, that you had to get your plane, weren't they? And it was like... And, and, and you know, and, and we've seen, you know, Branson... Sugar, you know, all the Les Brown, but all the greats out there, you know, we've had them all online. I said, listen, this man here is a genius. He's like one of the living legends out there. And I tell you what, it's so true because... You, and your you, passion and your determination... You, you inspired us last year when you spoke in Cardiff, you know, well, I was up the way. The thing is, is that every one of us, every one of you, 
has in your heart a truly inspired vision and calling that you want to bring to this world. Yeah. And there's nobody on the face of the earth that has to stop you from that. And when the voice and the vision on the inside is louder than anybody's opinion on the outside, you've begun to master that. So there's nothing that your mortal body can experience that your mortal soul can't transcend. Yeah. And so I'm a firm believer that to, to find out what that is and identify what's truly priority to you and prioritize your life. Because if you don't fill your day with high priority actions and inspire you, it's going to fill up with low priority distractions and don't. And if you don't delegate lower priority things and give job opportunities to others, so you get on to doing the thing that absolutely inspires you so you can't wait to get up in the morning and do it, you hold yourself back. And that's what we can subordinate to the world on the outside, to the influence, the conformity, and the mediocrity on the outside. We're not going to stand on the shoulders of giants. So I'm a firm believer in prioritizing your day on a daily basis. I fill my day with research and teaching every day. And I don't stop. I do it every day. Reading, studying, learning, teaching, sharing, every medium, vehicle, possible thing I can give every day. And I find that by doing that, you build momentum and become identified by what your calling is and what you're inspired by. Yeah. And, and you have to, if you're going after something that you're not inspired by, then it ain't it. If you need to be externally motivated in any way or capacity, you have to tell what's really important to you. Yeah. When you find out what's really important to you, you don't need motivation. Motivation is an extrinsic product. It's not the solution, it's the problem. Because people are needing motivation. I don't need motivation for what I do. No, me neither. <laughs> I love what I do. No, no, motivation is not the answer. I'm not a motivational speaker. I'm not here to rhetorically persuade somebody to do something that's not inspiring them. I want to find out what is in calling inside them what their highest value is, where they spontaneously are inspired to act and structure their life efficiently around that. Can I share uh, Can I share something that really made a difference in my business? I'm assuming most people here in business, right? Yes, sure. absolutely. Can I share something? Do you have something to write with and write on? Because I think this is worth writing a few. Oh, no, he just wants to share it with Alex. He just wants to share Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. So I'm 27 years old. I ended up finishing up my uh, nearly 10 years of college after I failed the most. And... Um, I wanted to study teaching, healing, and philosophy, so I got in the health field first, too. And I'm opening up my practice, and I'm doing everything. I had one assistant, but I was doing most everything. And I was in my way, and I was not delegating, and I had one assistant. And I decided I need help. I'm, I'm in my way. So I go to a bookstore, Walden's bookstore, which was a chain at the time. and. I read this book standing there and I thought this is the book I need. How many of you know you just you get the right book, you just go, that's it, I need to read that. So I started reading this book. I came home and I devoured it. I underlined it, I extracted, took notes, summarized it. And um, when I summarized that book, I got something really very valuable out of it. And as a result of that book, in 18 months, my business tenfolded. So I'm going to share with you what I did that made my business tenfold. Um, all I did is just followed it. So if you could write this, take your piece of paper and put five lines on it, equal.
basically space, so there's six columns. Yeah, this is amazing. This is so powerful, guys. You need to do this. Yeah. It's amazing. So take take this piece of paper, put five lines on it, vertical lines, there's six columns. Equally spaced. Um, and then in the very first column on the left, I want you to write down everything you do in a day. Everything you do in a day. And this could be anything that you might do over a three-month period. Everything you do, not broad, vague generalities like marketing, sales, but what do you do in a day? The actual actions. The actual actions that you do in a day. The actual actions you do in a day. And list everything. This is personal, professional, home and at work. Everything you do in a day. And as you make that list, and this is an exhaustive list, this will be not just a few things, this will probably be 50 to 100 things at least. Everything you do in a day, from eating to you name it, write it down. As you make that list, you'll probably be in your mind going, hmm, I'm sure doing a lot of stuff that's not productive. It'll <laughs> pop in your head as you do it. But just do it anyway. And make it exhaustive. I mean, literally take every day in a day, what do you do minute by minute by minute, action-wise, not vague generalities, and think of things you do every day, weekday, weekends, whatever it is, over a three-month period. And some days will be the same, some days you'll do different things and just put them all in that list. Once you have that list, exhaustive list, which will take you probably almost an hour, to the right of and you have John. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's just, it's just uh, yeah, it's just uh, probably Wi-Fi or. Just put your thumbs up if you think this man is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I know he's a, he's an absolute legend. He really is. He's just, and he's such a nice guy. When you meet him, he's just incredible. You know. He's such a humble guy. Uh, let me get back on. Hopefully we'll get him back on now in a minute. He's worth waiting for, isn't he, guys? Uh, hopefully. What's the yeah. Cardiff score, anyway? Once I made that list, 
I reprioritized that list according to what produced the most to least. I found out that the one that produced the most was not even what I expected. I found that the one that produced the most was getting out and doing presentations to audiences and engaging them and having them become patients. And that I was generating $15,000 an hour where the other ones I'm doing $1,500 an hour and $200 an hour. So I really had an eye opener there because I went almost 10 years of college so I could be studying something and the thing that I was to do was actually not the most productive thing I could be doing, which was shocking to me. So I basically did that and reprioritized according to what produced the most down to least. Because every time I do something that's producing most, my self-worth goes up, my income goes up. Every time I'm doing something lower, it goes down. There's nobody out there except you deciding that. The third column was how much meaning does it have? How much meaning does it have? And I put it on a 1 to 10 scale how much meaning it was. Because I, feel, I realized that uh, some things were really inspiring to me I couldn't wait to do, and other things were maybe less inspiring, and I wanted to not do. But I want to know what is inspiring to me. And on one to 10 scale, I put a meaning to it. And I went through all that same list, and I put a meaning scale to it. Some are down at ones, some are up to tens. Once I got through that, I prioritized that list again according to meaning, which were the tens at the top. And I prioritized, then I looked at where the most meaningful and the most productive were, and then I, I crisscrossed and put lines between them. And I could see that some of the ones that were most meaningful are also the most productive. And I could see a prioritization manifesting between what I couldn't wait to get up and do that was meaningful, it was inspiring, and what also produced the most. I want to know what is most meaningful and most inspiring. In the fourth column, I want to know what would it cost to delegate that action to the same standard as me. So if I gave somebody the opportunity to do that, and I hired them to do it, and I delegated it, how much would it cost me, not just their salary, but their space utilization, their training, their lost opportunity cost, their equipment, their, their furniture, their, their parking, their bonuses, down to the nitpicky penny. I want to know exactly what it cost me in every possible dime that it would be to have them do that job to the same degree. And it has to be the same standard. It can't be anything less. It has to be the same standard. What would it cost to get somebody to do it? Is it at least as good as you do it or, or greater? Because if you're going downhill, you're going to end up micromanaging and have to micromanage somebody that's not really inspired. You want somebody inspired in that position that loves doing what you want them to do. Once I did that, then I reprioritized that according to spread. Where I made the most in the second column, where it cost the least, I want to know what the biggest spreads were down the line. Because I knew that if I did that and I delegated the biggest spreads, I would actually generate the, the greatest surplus labor value out of the people that I hired. And I then had more opportunity to pay them better and also had more opportunity to go out and do what I do best. On the next column, I wrote down how much time that I spent. The actual time per day averaging throughout all this time. How much time do I actually spend on? And that was eye-opening, too, because I had lied to myself about what that much time was. If I would ask prior to actually doing an inventory of it, I would have told you a lie. But once I actually looked at it, I realized, oh, my God, I'm spending way more time here and much less time here. <clears throat> What's the actual time? And on the final column, on the sixth column, the final...
prioritization. The final prioritization. What exactly is the priorities now? Factoring in what produces the most, what's most meaningful, what's got the biggest spread. And I reprioritized that and I layered that into 10 layers. I divided those prioritizations into 10 layers. And I took the bottom layer and I, and I, I realized that prioritization is first and then delegation. And the, I always delegated the most important things that I do last and the things that are least important down first. So I took the bottom layer off and I hired somebody. And it took me three people to get the person that I could release it to. I had to go through a few hires. I had to learn how to hire. Once I got that, that was off my back. Then I took the next layer. took two people on that one. The third layer I got right off the bat. The next one took a couple people. But over the next 18 months, I went from two people in my little office, a 970-square-foot office. After I delegated all the layers and left me at the top layer only, at the end of the 18 months, I had a 5,000-square-foot office, five doctors, 12 staff members doing it generating tenfold increase in income with a profit margin bigger than I would have ever had if, I'd have done, if I hadn't have done that. And I was free to go out and speak. Those with the mission have a message. Those with the vision are imperishable. And I went out there and I spoke and I shared the message. And I started my own TV show. I started doing radios. I started doing megaphone presentations into, for my, my speaking opportunity that I built. And I just cranked it. And I had five doctors working for me doing the clinical work. And I, I prioritized all my patients and only worked with the most important patients that had the biggest influence in the city or country. And I delegated the rest away. And I practiced and delegated that and trained them to make sure they were the right people. And literally in 18 months, it was tenfold. And as a result of it, the opportunity skyrocketed. Opportunities for media, opportunities to speak, opportunities to have clients. People started coming from around the world as patients. My vision expanded. You're not going to outgrow your vision. And to the degree that you live by congruency in your highest values, you spontaneously expand your vision. You automatically expand the space and time horizons in your vision. And you give yourself permission to shine, not shrink, and go after something that's inspiring to you. And the doors of opportunity grew from local to eventually through the state, through the nation, and now to 154 countries. But it started by following those basic principles. So I'm absolutely certain that those five things and that last one, the prioritization, uh, can make a huge difference no matter where you are in the business. Because if you're doing desperate things and, and weighing yourself down by doing things that are uninspiring to you and not giving job opportunities to people that would love to do that and not getting on to doing the things that actually produce the most, that actually mean the most, that inspire you the most, you're going to hold yourself back from doing something extraordinary, that it, 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 which is called an exemplified, inspired life. So I just want to share that because I just know that made a difference in my career. That one simple action made a huge difference in my career. And I, I live it today. I only research where I travel teach today. I don't do anything else. Everything else is delegate. I haven't driven a car in 32 years. <laughs> That's amazing. I haven't cooked. I haven't cooked. Oh, this is so true. Is it true? Like, my, my girlfriend said to me, she says, you delegate everything. And I said, that's right. I said, I went to my girlfriend one time and I said, look, if I was to delegate lovemaking to Hugh Jackman, would you still love me? She said, I would love you even more. I would love you even more. I love this.
I'd rather get people that are experts in what they do that know what they're talking about and delegate that than to do something that, that is less important. Because I would have to read a book on how to do it with dummies first. <laughs> and, well, it's so, so true what you say, though, John, because we were mentored by Sharon Lecter, you know, co-author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and the one thing that she taught us, if nothing else, was that you're trading time for money. Um, you know, I always say, oh, I'm not going to do that because, you know, what I pay someone £10 an hour, I know I can earn a £1,000 an hour doing something else, you know, or, or whatever, you know, just as an example, and it's so, so true. And I just want to touch on a little bit. I mean, everybody who knows me knows that I'm massive on the law of attraction, and I love the film The Secret. So tell us a little bit about The Secret. You know, how did you get involved in that? Um, I was just doing what I do, researching, writing, traveling, and teaching. And I got a contact from Rhonda Byrne, who is the producer, and they contacted me and asked if I would like to be part of this movie that they're working on. And it sounded intriguing. And the original idea was different than what came out. The original idea was going to be a televised version that was going to be in, starting on Channel 9 in Australia, because that's where she was working. And it was going to be only six of us in it. And they had the commercial actually produced. And they were, I was speed reading an ancient text in the commercial. And uh, with tears dropping out of my eyes, being inspired in reading. That was the opening lines of it. But what happened is the Commonwealth Games bought out the time at the last minute and they weren't able to launch the way they wanted. So they ended up combining all 33 people that they'd interviewed into a completely different version and put it out on DVD, the Vitas. And it went, and it went viral. They they didn't expect it to do that. It went viral, it started going nuts. And it went around the world and spread like, like crazy. Pardon me a second. I'm going to sit around the center right now. Mr. Priority, send me to answer his phone. <laughs> it's Hugh Jackman. <laughs> they're making sure. They're making sure that I got on. <laughs> you sure that I wasn't Hugh Jackman? <laughs> no, that's not here. I know here. He didn't. He didn't call me. But anyway, uh, so she all of a sudden got this opportunity. Uh, to go online and it went line and it was not anything like the original version. There was going to be really a, f- a first a t- two hour special, then another two hour, another two hours. That's what it was originally. They filmed all these 33 people at the Transformational Leadership Council and mainly in Aspen and also in Australia. And it turned out to be a completely different version of what we thought it was going to be, but it was actually meeting the market need at the time. So I'm very grateful for the opportunity to be involved in it, but it was. It left out a lot of very good details. I felt felt that um, that now we get to go out and share and fill in the gaps on, because you know you can't put it all in one hour very easily, an hour and a half. That's not easy to do. No. The, the, the secret definitely reached a lot of people. Now there's a new one that's out. In case you haven't seen it, how thoughts become things, and that's the sequel to it. Oh, is it? Uh, yeah, it's just out now, and it's uh, doing great. Great, it's actually doing more than the secret did, but it's uh, it's out now. How do thoughts become things? Amazing. Oh, that's brilliant. Thank you, Dr. John. And um, we've got a few questions now, if it's okay if I, if I take it to the audience, because we can't do enough. Um, and I want to make sure that some of, uh, some of our guests can ask you a question. So first, we're going to have Peter Wilcock, who is the former COO of Virgin Media, and he's now um, works with Travel Leads, a massive global business. Um, so, Peter, over to you. 
Oh, hi, John. Hi. Great, great to be here and uh, get a chance to talk to you. It's less of a question, really. It's something that I'd like you to share that I saw you talk about, and I thought it was one of the most inspiring things I'd ever heard. And it was your view of empowerment and what happens in each area of your, your life if you're not empowered. And the way that you describe that, I, I think is something that everyone can just learn from. And so I thought if you could share that, that would be just amazing. Okay, I'm a firm believer that uh, in, in, in thermodynamics, which is a, a physics principle, um, there's a tendency to have undergo entropy and breakdown if you don't organize your life. So if you don't fill your day with high priority actions that inspire you, it fills up with low priority distractions that don't. Most everyone here, I'm certain, has learned through trial and error or in a mentorship that if they fill their day with an agenda, they get more done than if they don't. And weird stuff fills it. And that applies to space, time, energy, and money. So if you don't fill your space with the highest priority things, it fills up the clutter. If you don't spend the time on the highest priority things, it fills up with unexpected. If you don't put your energy into highest priority things, it gets drained by distractions. If you don't put your money into high priority asset producing assets, it gets taken away by unexpected bills. Entropy takes over anything that's not organized. And each of the seven areas of our life, uh, our spiritual quest, our intellectual quest, our business quest, our wealth building quest, our relationship quest, our social leadership quest, our physical health and well-being quest, all areas follow this law. So if we don't empower ourselves intellectually, we'll be told what to think. If we don't empower ourselves in business, we'll be told what to do. If we don't empower ourselves in finance, we'll be told what we're worth. If we don't empower ourselves in relationship, we'll be, honey, do this, honey, do that. That's uninspiring. If we don't empower ourselves socially, we'll be told propaganda that's not true. If we don't empower ourselves physically, we'll be told what drugs to take, what organs to remove. If we don't empower ourselves spiritually, we'll probably subordinate to some dogma that's antiquated it's not current with the cosmological schemes that we understand today. We'll be stuck in some geocentric construct. But if we have the willingness to go out and prioritize our life according to what's truly deeply meaningful that serves the ever greater numbers of people, and our fulfillment in life is the degree that we serve. Our deserve is based on our serve and our fulfillment. We all know, how many of you know when you're going out and doing stuff that really means something, that makes a difference in people's lives, we feel more fulfilled. So if we're not getting up in the morning and dedicating your life to doing something that fills the values of other people, which are reflections of our own self, and do something that's deeply meaningful that inspires and produces what can't expect an inspired life. And so our job is to empower all seven areas of life, because any area of life we don't empower is an area somebody else is going to overpower. And the more areas we don't empower, the more we're going to feel like a victim of history, not a master of destiny. Brilliant. I love that. And I think what would be amazing is if, if uh, 16-year-old kids, 70-year-old kids could get your seven principles of empowerment and lock them in, and their lives would be completely different. Yeah. Peter, Peter yesterday I spoke to the East Side Boys Club of Vancouver. Uh, five billionaires fund that organization, and they do whatever they can to help educate these lots of kids. And uh, it was so rewarding yesterday to interact with kids that are street kids coming, you know, back into life again. Yeah. And it's exactly what we did. There were 16, 17 to 20-year-old kids that are wanting to get their life started. And they're, they're ripe. And some of them are incredibly creative. And they were non-conforming. And you know that can make some great entrepreneurs. Yeah, amazing. 
Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, so now we've got Kate Strong. She's a wonderful athlete, Kate, and I think she'd just like to ask you a question, if that's okay. Thanks, Tracy. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure to meet you, Dr. John Di Martini. Kate, I recognise you. Where did I meet you? <laughs> we've never met, but we have mutual friends. Which, which friend? Because I know of you. Uh, Gordon Burke and Gordon Peter. Gordon. Okay. You were at um, the... The, the pendulum summit or something were you no yeah maybe what did you do long distance running what did you do uh, i'm a world champion triathlete and i'm just attempting a few world's firsts in cycling i recognize you from the from the running or the the athletic world yeah yeah because i definitely know you so i mean i don't know you personally but i know of you uh, Thank you. We know uh, we know Frank Frankie from uh, from the yeah. from in the, in the Dublin. He's a good friend of ours. Yes. yes, he he invited me to speak there a few years ago. It's very inspiring. Uh, he's a great guy. Yeah, go ahead. I'm, I'm, I interrupted. Oh no, it's, it's fine. Thank you. Um, I've just got a question because a, a lot of what you you educate with is really fascinating to me, and one of them in particular was about investing in our self development, not in our self improvement. And something yes. I'm noticing along my journey, as I'm stepping more into my own power, finding my voice about my own purpose, there's a lot of people out there giving me opinions about their self-improvement and setting that binary, you know, success, failure. And as you know, as an athlete, I, I strive to be my best, not the best. So I'm very much attached to the present, not this self-improvement awareness. Do you have any tips in how I can stay focused throughout this when I'm hearing all of the other sort of chitter chatter around me. Yeah, I, uh, you just said it perfectly. You must have watched that little video I did. Um, <laughs> uh, let, let me just say something. You already have it. You already understand it. If you're about to dive into the water for a gold medal or about to take off on a run for a gold medal, if you even look to left or right, you've already, you already lost your medal. Mm. You have to look at your goal. You can't compare yourself to others because if you put them on a pedestal, you'll minimize yourself. If you put them in a pit, you'll exaggerate yourself. And exaggerations or minimizations of selves are not selves. And it's the true self that has the power, never the personas and the masks that we wear around it. So giving ourselves permission to be ourselves and comparing our actions only to our own goals, not to others, is what liberates us from the bondage of comparison. Envy is ignorance and imitation is suicide. The second we think somebody's got some advantage over us, we just gave our power away. The second we think we're better than them, we gave our power away. Wisdom is actually focusing on a mission bigger than the win. Bigger than the win. Yeah. I, I, there was a lady that lived behind me when I was a young teenager. When I first came back home at 18, I, I worked at my parents' house. They lived in the country. And there's a lady there that lived next door to us that had a tennis court. She was 16, and she would come over and ask me if I'd play tennis with her. And actually, I had never had training in tennis, but somehow I could just do tennis. I was pretty good at it. And I beat her. But she was taking classes by a coach, and she wanted to master tennis. So she was using me as somebody to hit the balls back and forth. I went out there to win. She went out there to master the game of tennis. So the first month, I slaughtered her. She didn't care. The second month, she started winning some games. I started to care. 
the third month, I didn't want to play with her because she kept mastering the game of tennis and didn't care about the temporary high or low. She wasn't focused on success or failure. She was into the mastery of the game. And she became unbeatable, and I dropped out of tennis. <laughs> Because I had an immediate gratification, not a long-term vision. An immediate gratification cost us our life. Long-term vision creates our legacy. So think of a vision bigger than that one win, bigger than the Olympics, bigger than that, something bigger that you're doing it for, and the little goals get in the thing. When I was uh, 28, uh, yeah, 28, I had the opportunity to speak at New York City at the Marriott Marquis to about... 5,000 people. I was 28 years old and they asked me to come up and do the most, um, the 20 minutes of the most successful ideas they could do to build their business. There's, there's six of us getting up there to do 20 minutes each, two hour session, right? The nuggets, the best of the best kind of thing. There's a guy in front of me named Zev and he said, this is the day I've been waiting for my whole life. My dad spoke on this speech. I mean, a second. <laughs> this is hilarious. <laughs> I'm on right now with him. Uh, I'm on with some group that's... Oh, yeah. The, the, he's, he's on the phone because I rang him and said, where's, where's Dr. John? <laughs> no, I'm on the one that I, I gave you the thing on. So I'm on the phone. It's Paul. It's Paul? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, he's lush. His team are brilliant. He just goes to show they're, they're, they're efficient. Uh, hysterical. But the, the comments in here is just... If anyone, anyone wants to ask a question... Uh, I know we're going to ask Dawn and Matt Saltis and I think Sue Worrell, so... Um, if anyone wants a question, let us know because I don't know how long he's got with us. So if you do want to ask a question, put it in the chat box. And if we got enough time, the book we can get in there as well. So I know the book. Tracy, what was the name of the book? Um. Oh no, I'm not sure because he froze quite a bit, didn't he? I don't know. Yeah, he, did, he didn't get the name. Oh, yeah. we can ask him. I think he's double booked. <laughs> He's amazing though, isn't he? Yes. Very authentic. Oh yeah, um, he is. He's just incredible. And I know he's worth waiting for because uh, he's just, he is. Uh, and seeing him live in Cardiff was just off the scale because I actually have Law of Attraction. Oh my God, wouldn't it be amazing to get Don, Dr. John D. Martini on one day? And, and then he came to us, didn't he? It was like, wow, that was, he was one of my Law of Attractions. So it was pretty, yeah. I know. Trying to drink water from a fire hydrant. What's that? He's like, he's knowledge. Right, he's with me. I was saying, Tracy, people have described him as if he's, it's like trying to drink water from a fire hydrant. He's just so full of knowledge. Yeah, I know. The event he's talking about, the Pendulum Summit, is in Dublin. It's where Richard Branson speaks. It's all the great speak there. And um, it's, a, it's a fabulous event. Mm. And John speaks there quite often, so uh, it's a very high-end uh, elite uh, of all the world's best speakers go there and speak. Um. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's all right, everyone's still waiting for you, John. It's important for this uh, craziness today. They, I am on three seminars at the same time. Somehow this got built for three other seminars. Do, do you know Paul Mahoney, right? Paul Mahoney? I, don't I know the name. name. I know the name. He has me on his seminar right this minute. And I'm on your seminar. And somehow I have your link. Was I scheduled to be on your seminar? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. It's exactly at the same time that Paul has me on his seminar. Oh, wow. They double booked on the poll. He's calling, where are you on the seminar? We're waiting for you on the seminar. Oh. So I'm, I'm apparently in three seminars today. Oh, my God. I'm, 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 I just turned on, put on the link. So I'm not sure what to do, but they're supposed to be sending me another link. Uh, okay. Uh, I, I don't know how this happened. I think they confused two Pauls, and they put them at the same time. And... and oh. um, Somehow they've got me in, in a, another seminar at the same time, and they got a bunch of people over there um, that are waiting for me there too. So I'm not sure what to say. Oh, don't worry, John. It's it's absolutely fine. It's it's been a, you know like you must go because you know we we you've had a long long time with us. I, I'm not sure what to say. I'll, I'll do it this. If you want to organize another one, I will because of this this uh, confusion or whatever. I'll be glad to do another session if that will be a value to to everybody. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. would be amazing. You know you don't because have. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. I know that, uh, that they, they've got me in two different seminars at the same time, right after another one. So, it's an, it's but I'm fine. glad to do another one to compensate for the for the, the craziness of that. Um, it's, it's it's absolutely fine. We'd love to have you on again, you know. But obviously, yeah. we appreciate your time is precious, so it's it's entirely up to you. He's got a big audience waiting for me. And he's paid for my time apparently. I don't know how this happened, but I'm not sure. Silly, that's fine. fine. So we understand. We understand, Doctor John, and I think you know we, we appreciate your time. You've given us tonight, and uh, thank you so much. We'd love to get you back on again. So we will. I, I would be glad to do that, and, and thank you for your time today. Thank you, Peter, for your questions. Thank you, Kate. How can people reach out to you, John? Just quickly tell everyone if you've got any courses or you want anything that you want to, you know, you've got on at the moment. You can, you can just simply go to my website, drdmartini.com. I've got more courses than you probably would have want to hear about. I, but in any. And what was the you book you read? What was the book you read? That's what everyone's asking. What book did I read? Yeah. I think they were saying about what, what what book it was that you were on about the, earlier on. I don't know. Um, you mean the the time trap by Alt McKenzie that I mentioned? Yes, I yes, think so. Yeah. Time trap, Alt McKenzie. Yeah, brilliant. Pardon my my oversight or whatever don't happened. Don't be silly, John. It's fine. We got two Pauls. Thank you all. Thank you for the time. I love you all, and um, I look forward to hopefully catching up again. And we'll do a we'll do something up to compensate for it. Yeah, no problem. Thank you, you, you Dr. John. You are a superstar. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Have a good day. That was uh, Dr. John Martini on the Intrabiz event, and uh, those things happen. Uh, there's nothing else left for me to say other than have a great day. I know I will. And uh, thank you very much for listening. Cheers. Bye-bye.